Welcome to Conversations with Sam Dean. I'm Sam Dean and I'm excited to have you here to explore the conversations that accountants and advisors can have with their clients to cultivate business mastery. All the notes and links for the show can be found at blueprinthq.com.au slash podcast. Let's start a conversation. Hello, everyone. Today, it's my absolute privilege to introduce you to Ellen Ronalds Keane. Now, Ellen is being a big part of my journey. Um, she's helping us actually produce this podcast and has a business around that. Has a very interesting background. Her um, original business and a business that's still very much a part of her landscape is around health for teachers. And then out of that was born um, her podcasting business, which I'll get her to talk about. So hello, Ellen, and welcome. Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me. As I said, absolute pleasure. So Ellen, what I would like to do is start off to say, you know, where are you at with your business or businesses right now? And what's working for you? and what's not. Um, And then we might touch on the journey that you've come through. And I'd like, if I may, to also then ask you, who has helped you on that journey? And um, what, what, what have you learned? Yeah, good questions. Where am I at? So as you mentioned, I run Self Care for Teachers, which is a teacher wellbeing hub online. And I do some wellbeing coaching for teachers and advocate for teachers in um, in the Australian landscape anyway. I haven't gone international with that one yet. Um, and then I also run Perk Digital, which stands for Podcasts by Ellen Ronalds Keane. Very original. Um, <laughs> and- I never knew that. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And um, that is really my main gig, but that wasn't the plan. So um, I'm four and a half years into self-care for teachers and I would say I'm one year into the official naming of the you know the business name Perk Digital, but about two and a half years into that uh, freelance work, and none of it's gone to plan. And I know that's life, but um, you know there is a lot of talk about making business plans and that sort of thing, and it hasn't been. Um, it, yeah, I didn't make a business plan for Perk Digital, so I know we're going to dive into that. It was an accidental business. Self care for teachers is absolutely my uh, methodical, organized, planned out thing which then did not go to plan. Um, and then Perk Digital is a complete accidental business and um, and I love them both. So what's working right now? What's working for me right now is actually having a foot in both camps. Uh, and I know that it's something a lot of people say, you know, you just got to do one thing. Apparently I'm incapable of that and, um, <laughs> and I love them both and I don't want to turn either of them off. So what's working right now is is kind of a couple of days a week on one and a couple of days a week on the other and that's that's working really well for me at the moment. Um, what's not working? I would say I, I'm probably in a phase of transition, especially with uh, especially with self-care for teachers, maybe figuring out whether or not it's a business or some other kind of uh, structure, not-for-profit, uh, social enterprise. I'm kind of in the process of figuring that out um, because it's self-care for teachers has never really worked uh, consistently as uh, on an on-paper business. So I'm sort of still playing with that. Okay. So there was a quite a lot of facts there and I'd like mm. to circle back yeah. to a couple of, of those very key issues. As you said, you know, one of the aspects that I like to talk to people about is the support and the, and the planning of their businesses and, you know, what happens there. So when you actually started, what kind of education process did you go through when you said, okay, I think I've got an idea for a business here? And I think this is so relevant in this digital age. 
is that there's a whole lot of online stuff and while the the business advice out there seems to be very much around uh, digital marketing and all of that sort of aspect of a business, so the growth business, that, you know, did you find um, when you started that there was a lot of information out there for you to talk about your business models and, and perhaps, you know, how you can actually get some foundation into your business? Um, I think it was probably there. I maybe didn't know what I didn't know, so I didn't know that I needed to be looking for that. So I, I, uh, my, my qualifications at university were to become a high school teacher, um, and not a high school business teacher. So I had no plans to be in business. So no, um, you know, I wasn't that kid that was selling lemonade on on the side of the street. You know, I didn't have that kind of entrepreneurial backstory. But because of some major health uh, challenges that I've had over the years, including thyroid cancer when I was at uni and then some other ongoing um, health challenges throughout my, you know, early teaching career, it became pretty clear um, that I wasn't going to be able to keep up with um, with teaching, certainly not full-time teaching, and that I needed to start looking at alternatives, you know, alternative careers basically. That didn't have to be business. But I did a um, coaching qualification, so really obviously interested very much in health and well-being and, and went and pursued my well-being coaching qualification um and as part of that the as part of the course there was a business foundations uh, module uh which did cover i guess the the business model of of a coach and i didn't really understand i suppose i suppose i didn't have the perspective to realize that there are other business models there are other structures there are other ways to set things up so there was a little bit of info there about how to set up a coaching practice but because I was doing that part-time while I was teaching and also I wasn't, you know, I wasn't 100%. Um, my health is much, much better these days uh, since working for myself, which is wonderful because that was part of the goal. That was, you know, part of my why to go into business for myself was to be able to be a bit more flexible um, and not have the, uh, I suppose, the lack of control that you do when you're an employee. So, I, I didn't have a lot of education. I didn't necessarily know that I needed more because yep. there was enough there that made me think that I had it covered. And I think the the coaching school was doing their job by making sure that they were producing graduates who had some understanding of how to set up their business model. Were, were you getting ed- any education around, so the business structure, obviously, but the actual compliance issues around that? So, you know, the levels of GST, what you had to do to comply with any kind of, you know, legislation around that or did they send you to an accountant or who? Because who, I, I always get very curious that everyone sort of talks about the growth um, and yeah. even the, the implementation side of things. So let's have a plan of your business, let's market it, let's get growth. But I so often hear, and I think I'm hearing here, correct me if I'm wrong, that the protection and compliance piece um of you know you need to lodge your tax return you need to put your gst in etc etc was that covered off Um, or where you should go for that i think if i mean it was sort of six seven years ago now so my memory's a little hazy um i think there was some information about gst and about um you know getting individualized advice because obviously this was like a general module in the um you know one size fits all kind of a module in the in the training so there was some recommendations of that and also the other key piece here probably is that i was doing my training probably 18 months before i was actually about to use it um so 
while I was learning about it, it wasn't immediately relevant, if that, if that makes sense, um, because I wasn't, I was still teaching at the time. So I wasn't trying to be in business at the time. Um, so I, there's, it's quite possible that I wasn't paying as much attention to that as I would have if it was um, immediately relevant. And I, uh, I, I certainly wasn't working with an accountant while that was I was, my next question. While so I was you- a teacher. I did my own tax thanks to the, you know, the e-tax um, uploads your group certificate information and it just kind of does the computations and off it's gone. Okay, so, you know, let's let's fast forward to when yep. you actually started your business. Did you think, okay, I need an accountant now um, straight away? Was it that the thought process that went through or did you just start? How did you start? Yeah, no, that wasn't my, my thought process. Um, so I, I started on the side of my teaching job and um, – it was probably, I mean, self-care for teachers was very, very, very part-time for the first two years. That that needs to be said uh, because I I had a job. Um, and so it made little bits of money, but I, I was still just doing my own tax. So I didn't see an accountant until my first uh, full year out of the classroom. Um, so I'd left my teaching job and I'd been in business you know, for myself for a full 12 months. Um, and it was then I actually tried to do it on e-tax and I thought this is, there's a few questions I don't know the answer to here. I should probably, probably get someone to make sure that I'm doing this right. Um, and, and by that stage, I'd already started the freelance work as well. So I kind of knew that there was a few different streams of income coming in and it was all a bit complicated from my perspective compared to when you just get your group certificate from your employer and it's all <laughs> pretty straightforward. Yeah, and, and we quite often see this and accountants can be reasonably reactive because you guys don't know what you don't know and then, you know, this is the one thing that we work a lot with with the accountants that we, that I work with and, and we work with at Blueprint HQ is this how do we change this reactivity because the actual topic itself is not sexy. It's not an Instagramming you know, bite, you know, get your tax done, even though I think it should be. I think this area is super, um, you know, businesses can go down from the protection compliance piece um, and certainly, you know, we'll explore your, you know, situation of oh, suddenly I've got to pay um, GST or, or PAYG withholding or whatever without getting too technical. But um, what what do you think from an education point of view and knowing what you know now perhaps the industry could do to see that you are actually seeing your accountant before you start your business as opposed to a year in? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think the first thing that comes to my mind actually is that they need to play the game that the digital marketers are playing because Mm. um, I think there's a huge amount of online, you know, now that I'm in the digital marketing space and, and have been hanging around online business circles for, you know, three or four years now, I think there's a huge uh, problem with people selling snake oil online, selling work-for-yourself lifestyle business uh, dreams, um, you know, the laptop on the beach and the the cocktails and the six-figure business f- from passive income. And when you actually dig deeper, often those people haven't achieved that themselves. They might be selling a program that has they have bought into and they're often American as well which means that that doesn't necessarily apply in the Australian context anyway but I I actually think that because that that advertising game is so strong you know the Facebook ads for the for the online courses and the and the 
lifestyle business programs, I actually think people who want to break into this space, who want to be really helping people at the beginning of their business journey, you need to play the game that those guys are playing because that's where a lot of people are getting their information. That's where a huge number of small business slash self-employed people who are just starting out, who maybe were, were not, maybe are not suited to business at all anyway, or who certainly maybe are, are making that choice out of a dissatisfaction with the job that they're in or the career that they've um, found themselves in. And they see some ads online and they fall into the rabbit hole and think that that, that grass is greener, so I'll go there. I think the the counter messages need to be there from the protection and compliance angle, also from the, hey, well, if you want to do this, let's do it right. Let's, yes. let's help you get set up so that it's actually sustainable because entrepreneurial poverty, you know, from the perspective of people who have fallen for some of these online business snake oil salesmen, and it's, they're not all snake oil salesmen. There's some fantastic programs out there as well. Um, but they still tend to not be covering that stuff, that foundational business model stuff. It's They're teaching digital marketing, not business. And they, they don't tell you that. And yeah, you don't know what you don't know, as you said. So it's easy to fall for some of that. And I, I feel very uh, grateful that I ended up working behind the scenes in people's businesses as a freelancer. So you can see it. I could see it. And I've been able to avoid some of those mistakes because I saw other people make them. So I feel very grateful in that regard. But I, uh, my advice to to the industry would be you've got to step up your game in this arena because that's where people are currently getting their information. Not all people, but a lot of people who are, who are sort of thinking, maybe I'll go into business for myself because these Instagram ads seem to tell me that's the solution to all my problems. You need to play that game to kind of counter some of those messages. Yeah, and I think it's super, super important. Um, and certainly the lot, a lot of the work that I see, um, and t- certainly in the space of people who are advising the accounting industry, if you like, and it's like, let's do the growth stuff, let's do the implementation stuff, let's get into your business. Um, yeah, but what we're really good at is the protection compliance, and we need to find a way to remessage it. And um, so that's what I was hearing then. Yeah. Yeah, and and because people don't know what they don't know, and I think um, they're often, I think a lot of people are choosing to fall down some of these online business rabbit holes because they're unhappy in their life. So they're coming from that really reactive place looking for a quick fix and they actually, whether or not they take the advice, but I think it's important that they are um, given some um, of the option the option and and yeah. at least the awareness that hey let's make sure your foundations are right because if they're not this is probably not going to work no matter how good the course the training was that you did if you haven't got your foundations right if you haven't actually validated what you're doing uh, it's it's probably not going to work yeah and, and something that I always say is you can grow something and you can implement your business and if you don't protect and comply it you might as well not grow it mm in the first place um, because, you know, it'll all fall down and particularly around the cash flow area yeah, and actually paying for some of these um, GST, et cetera, coming forward. And I don't think that that's unique to Australia. I think that that's across the board. um, And there's some amazing stats coming out of the ATOs, uh, both ours and New Zealand, and I even heard some out of Singapore as well. Um, I will have to do a fact check on this. I'll fact check it at the end exactly what the numbers are but I believe there's like 600,000 ABN businesses at the moment who aren't up to date with their GST lodgements etc and and that's really a business success problem not a tax problem 
Um, so, you know, I think we, the protection compliance people, actually sit in a fantastic opportunity now to do that, but we've just got to maybe change our messaging and how we actually deliver that piece. Fantastic. So let's fast forward to when you actually have brought an accountant on board. I assume you have one now. I do, yes. Yeah, fabulous. Um, so what's been your, you know, your, your experience there? Obviously don't mention, you know, individuals here, but how are you finding that journey once you've actually got the, uh, you know, that advice piece in? Yeah, well, I actually still don't know how much advice I've been getting. And, you know, like I, I'm certainly not unhappy with my accountant, but I'm not wowed either. Like, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I didn't have high expectations. I just thought I just needed to have my tax done. You know, that's, yeah, okay. that's why I went and they did my tax. So I guess we're done. Great. You know, it's very sort of matter of fact um, and quite, uh, you know, only very, very recently registered for GST. So um, haven't quite been through a, one of those full cycles yet, but I'm aware of it at least. Um, but actually, I think most of the reason I'm aware of that and of some of the pitfalls of people falling behind with that is because of the, you know, some of the other people in my life, some of the, the masterminds I'm in, my husband was in business. Um, and so I guess I've seen that and heard the horror stories from other people more than I really got the advice from my accountant. Um, okay. But at least when I, I mean, he did help me register for GST and, um, you know, obviously I'm going to go back to him booked in next week actually. So um, we'll be having further conversation there. But I guess I haven't really done a lot of advice or I haven't really received a lot of advice there. I didn't ask for a lot. And I th- up until now I think it's it's just been, yep, we'll get your tax done. Good. See you next year. <laughs> Yeah, and this is one of my missions in life, um, just to have a quick riff, if that's okay. Sure. Um, is that this is such an important piece and as as accountants, we sit so well here. We have this skill set. If we could just get in front of it um, as opposed to behind it. Um, but then it's how do we actually message? We haven't really had to message and, and change here. Um, but the, the, the way that the information is being consumed by people now is very different from what you know we we were used to and the industry is used to and how do we how do we quickly actually change this and I think your story is so important in this and also another thing I heard there that I'm hearing quite a bit when I'm interviewing people is the ho-humness of it you know we really need to establish you know let's be famous for something um, and protection and compliance to me is something we can be famous for but everyone I meet is says, yeah, I've got an accountant and they do a great job, they're nice people. Um, whereas you, you look at some of the the, um, the coaching people or the growth people and everything, people get a little bit more excited. Is that your experience? Yeah, well, I think about my hairdresser, for example, and I can, I will rave about her and, I, you know, I will recommend her, you know, like apropos of nothing, I will mention her and or, or my kinesiologist. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to promote those people uh, because I have a fantastic relationship with them, really happy with their services. And you can understand the value too. Yes, and and very aware too that this is something I think everybody should, you know, oh, everyone needs a hairdresser. Well, mine's great. Like I'm happy to recommend them. Everyone also needs an accountant, but I I, I guess I just don't have the, um, up until now, haven't, haven't really thought about them that much in between the rest of the year. Um, not, you know. No offense, like like you say, I think they're great people. I think they've done a good job. You know, I got my tax done. Everything was good, but I haven't been thinking about them in between or feeling 
like I want to go out and evangelize for them either. Yeah, and and this is something that um, we're really exploring at the moment because, you know, as we go forward, um, taxis will be done more and more AI, et cetera. But that human connection is so important um, and that can never be replaced by AI. So I think that, you know, some of the things I'm hearing here is that if we could really get that piece right, you know, it, it, it could be kind of exciting and people might... Uh, evangelize and I see this a lot when I um, talk to people just people in the street because as you said most people do have accountants that yeah oh no they're nice guys or you know they seem to do a good job Um, and that's maybe something we need to work on and then going back to that brilliant idea you had earlier around how do we get into the the digital space in, in what is a complex matter but how do we actually simplify it and communicate that you need Um, You need this just as much as you need the growth and advisory pieces. And if we can get in front of it, then maybe the, you know, the GST debt and stuff that people, you know, 600,000 businesses at the moment have that GST debt. There's some astronomical amount owing. Um, You know, how can we actually, you know, get in front of that and help people change that? And these are all the questions I think that, that we need to answer. Like you, th- you look at what Scott Pape, the barefoot investor, has done for personal finance in Australia, and I know there are other people in the US who, who you know, also have like sort of cult followings of of um, is it Dave Dave Ramsey that like yes, people Dave um, Ramsey, yes. do the the I'm debt free and they like have this big celebration thing on his radio show and stuff like that kind of I suppose it's branding, but it's it's also about really somebody who's really passionate about their message, which for some people is really a scary, frightening thing that getting out of debt and the the personal, looking at the personal finances for perhaps for, for the first time, but there's someone really passionate and excited and motivating and, and proactive, being very proactive about it and saying, hey, let's do this. Let's, let's sort this out. Like imagine if that's what was happening for the business side of things, the, the, the compliance and, and protection piece for businesses. Yeah, I think we need to reimagine that, and yeah. I think that's a great idea. And one of the uh, one of the goals of this podcast is to start reimagining how we how we do this piece, and you know, have conversation and find out what our end user clients want, rather than you know what the legislation requires us to do, which is super important as well, of course. But at the end of the day, it's what what do our clients want? Um, and usually, our clients want exactly what you're talking about. They want security. They want to feel safe. And they want to they want to be educated in these areas. Um, and the more I think, the more we educate um, as an industry, the the more we will be famous. Um, but we need that excitement as well. So um, it's a very good point, and it, it's a complex problem. But I think that we can find some hopefully simple, but maybe not easy <laughs> solutions <laughs> to that. Yeah. Well, at the very least, you've got me looking forward to my accounting appointment next week. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Well, that's the questions that I'm going to take. <laughs> You've got the other questions that you need to take. And I think accountants, we really need to get excited about what we do every day as well. And I know that a lot of them have. Um, and if I speak at one more conference and accountants call themselves boring, I really am going to, you know, get even more frustrated than I am. We are not boring. We, we really, we keep people out of jail we actually make their life more secure. And so people don't wake up at 3 a.m. and going, oh, am I up to date with this stuff? I've got a GST debt. How do I pay it off? How do I not get in this situation in the first place? And, you know, we really need to start 
standing up. And as an industry and the personality types in the industry, this is not our natural go-to, but we can do this. I know that we can do this. And even if it's starting with simple conversation, just with your the clients face-to-face, they don't even need to get online, you know, talking in the coffee shop. And somebody joked to me one day that if they don't want to talk to someone, they mention they're, they're an accountant. Um, so <laughs> that's got to stop. What we do, a uh, tax accountant, sorry, yeah. um, you know, is, is super important. And, and we need to really start getting that message out clearly and then also in the in the business aspect of things too and and putting a lot more solid foundations um behind it yeah and I think I I don't know this is my coach hat coming on I wonder too if there's some some self-fulfilling prophecy going on there around that self-belief of being boring and being you know and because there is that stereotype that accountants are kind of boring people who only talk about percentages and and like you can't take them to a dinner party because like <laughs> just just talk numbers and no one else cares that is a stereotype out in the world and I, and I wonder how much accountants actually believe that about themselves and therefore the self-belief piece uh almost gets in their own way of being being proactive and you know in terms of having a passion for something that other people don't have a passion for but that is really important I'm like obsessed with the um with audio and the the way that we have reached peak screen and that's why audio is taking off around the world and you know and, I, and i'm really interested in how do we use the spectral frequency display to so ellen i have to stop you yeah right boring so i just felt what my clients think like the spectral what <laughs> exactly right but but i can still i can go all right this is a bit that no, nobody cares about the spectral frequency display ellen but <laughs> But people do care about some of the other aspects of why I think audio is such a fantastic way to communicate. Um, and, and, I, and my passion for that doesn't have to turn people off. I can be aware that not everyone thinks this is as interesting as I think it is, but also how important it is for someone who is, who is the, you know, who is my client, who needs this, who needs my expertise in this area. How can I convey that passion to help them, right, to help them achieve their goals. And I think accountants could do exactly the same thing and should do exactly the same thing, I suppose, without letting that self-belief that, oh, we're just boring and nobody wants to hear from us get in the way. I absolutely agree with you. I think we have so much as accountants. I mean, I'm an accountant, you know, well into my third decade and and most of that, like 50% of that early on is around that tax compliance um, and protection space. And I absolutely agree with that. And the more and more I get in and work with more and more business owners, um, particularly around the professional services, the issues are the same. So you talking about audio is exactly the same as us talking about, you know, estate planning and um, tax and protection and restructuring and, and all of that sort of stuff. We have to, and I know that most of my clients are passionate people. They they just they're blocking themselves and and we need to st- start getting standing up and getting proud and this is big change too yeah and like we've gone on a journey of change you know from being a teacher to this um we need to also go on a very maybe a, a, a quite quick journey of change to start having some really interesting conversations and start getting curious to pe- with people but also getting curious with ourselves and saying you know, what is it that I stand for and I want to be famous for? Well, I want to be famous for making sure that you are protected and that we can get in front of your um, GST and that you're very clear on that. And it's so interesting talking to you because the way you talk about audio is the way we talk about tax. 
And it's the same for anybody who's in any kind of um, industry that they're passionate about. And then it's how do I take what I know, simplify it. Um, So make it simple, not necessarily easy. And then make people also jump on board and say, yes, I I want that. I want to be protected. I know it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but also Mm. to change the jargon. Um, You know, the, you know, speaking in acronyms and, you know, making as experts, you know, since 1911, we've been talking as experts. We hold the knowledge, so come to us. And in this day and age, we've got to actually release the knowledge, explain that in simple terms. And then um, so people can come and say, yes, I need what you're you're giving me. But most of the time, for me, anyhow, my experience says it's about the conversation piece. And, you know, sharing my journey with you is you made me feel comfortable around audio. Um, And, you know, now we're actually doing a podcast and and you got me there. Um, And it's the same. If I can be doing a podcast, you know, on the flip side, then accountants can be um, taking their clients on on this journey, but not only their clients, their potential clients as well to say, because there's some astronomical figures. And again, I'll do a fact check at the end of this podcast on, you know, this, these hustle side hustle businesses that you started with. Um, and they are becoming the, the business owner of the future. And they still all need a, um, you know, Australian business numbers. They won't acronym it. And then they still need to be registered for goods and services tax if they're making enough money. But they also, you know, need to be able to do that in a very scaled up way as well. So they're not spending big money on the setups of all all of that sort of stuff and, and where we go to that. So it's, it's such an interesting thing. Cool. Yeah, and the opportunity of, of the, I mean, because it is scary that AI is coming, the, yeah. the you know, the world is changing, it's going digital and the information uh, is available there for anyone like you said, the, the account, we need to open up the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, information is readily available online these days. So if anyone wants to learn something, they can. It doesn't mean they will, but if they want to, they can. But I think we, we, we can either be afraid of that change or we can embrace it and say, right, well, what are the things that the, the robots can't take and what are the things that people are still going to want even if the robot is doing the actual computation? Yeah, and and that's... That's the key piece, isn't it? And what they want is that conversation and connection. And we haven't, as an industry, this is a very big generalisation because there's some people out there who do this really well. But as a majority, we haven't been trained to do that. And, you know, we need to actually start training ourselves how to have really juicy um, conversations around what we do really well. We don't have to go out and learn how to do strategic growth plans. We don't need to do all that. There's people who do that stuff. Um, if you want to do that, sure, go ahead. But let's start having great juicy conversations around what we do every day really, really well. Let's start picking up the phone and talking to people because the AI that is here, and it's not even coming, it's here, can't do that. And people want to talk to people. And, you know, I've got a classic, um, one of the guys I work with who actually does my tax and accounting work you know he's not the biggest super conversationalist but when you talk to him about tax and stuff you feel really safe and you feel like you've got your back and we need to do that but he he does that through conversation not through email or yeah um that sort of stuff so you know for me we can start this in very very small ways similar to what you're doing in the audio world (laughs) by the sounds of it cool so just to end off 
Can you give everybody, now that you have been on this journey, sort of a couple of tips as to where if you sort of went back and started when you first started the inkling? Because I think you're very um, representative of a lot of the new style of business owners that we're seeing. And you said something early on around it's, it's an interesting thing because technicians or people who are passionate about something then go into business. And this is happening more and more now because we can have these very startup businesses and there's, you know, you, you weren't expecting it. You're an accidental entrepreneur, if you like, or you're an accidental yeah. business owner. So as an accidental one, what would you be your advice to somebody or even, you know, maybe after the first stage of going, yes, this is where I want to go. Yeah, because I think there's an element of, well, there's some things that, that I, I couldn't have got here if it hadn't kind of unfolded the way it did. Yeah. But, I, but I definitely think uh, from a perspective of uh, having more information and, and, and I suppose for myself, like spending more time working on the business instead of just working in the business, certainly the, the early days of my freelance work, that balance was way off. Like there was a lot of really long hours and um, and I wasn't charging very much. So uh, there wasn't, it didn't feel like a lot of time to stop and think about where I was going. Um, whereas now I really have folded that into my my month. It's like there is time set aside to to check in and reflect and, and then figure out where I'm going next and what's working and what's not working. But I think definitely having an, you know, an accountant or, or some advice around that earlier on and specific advice, not not a generalised one-size-fits-all, you know, blog post or something, uh, not to downplay the online content because obviously that's my space and I love it, but it is it is not specific information. It's, it's one-size-fits-all advice, um, generalist advice. Um, so getting the specific advice tailored to me and and where I wanted to go and and what I was what was already happening um, would have been really really beneficial earlier on. I think maybe the first couple of months when I was just feeling my way fine, but then there was a good twelve months where I just kept doing that and I should have been getting advice then. Yeah, and that advice doesn't have to be as big weighty. I think you know, where we struggle sometimes is the uh, um, accountants are very much based on the input of that um, and how many hours it takes and then the output. I just hazard a guess that the advice could have just been a five or ten minute check-in phone call to say, hey, you you know, just an hour, maybe right at the beginning to have a very quick conversation about this is where I want to go, this is where I want to be. Um, can you just give me the structure for that? And then maybe a couple of check-ins every quarter, very quick telephone calls even. Um, it doesn't have to be some highfalutin program or um, more of a check-in. Would, would that start style of staff solve that problem for you, do you think, in hindsight? Yeah, I think so. And especially if there was like an opportunity because questions come up, right? But it's like a it's a question where you think, oh, well, that's just like a, a five-minute conversation. I'm not going to go and make a whole appointment just for this one question. I'll just save it all up until my tax appointment at the end of the financial year. So actually, I think that would be really valuable too because then you, you could quickly get some of those ongoing questions um, out of the way. And, and also the other, I suppose, perspective that I want to share from from a startup sort of perspective of, of not having great cash flow in the early days and and not feeling like I could afford like huge amounts of advice. You know, in my mind, it'd be like, oh, well, like, I don't know if I can aff- afford a whole package of, of this business advice, but like I can probably afford one or two hour long conversations yes. a quarter. Yep. Smaller stuff. 
the smaller scale because also that's where I was at and still am really. Absolutely. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that as long as you have the systems and the processes to do that and these quick check-ins and how we can actually package it. And, and as you said, you are willing to pay for that. Yeah. It's just at what, what scale level and, and what needs to be done because, you know, particularly in the startup space, I feel that, you know, we've got to get some kind of advice in there and but it has to be valued right from the day one. Um, and also, you know, it can be done in small bites as opposed to, um, you know, the, these bigger packages that, that you see usually advertised perhaps. Yeah, and, and also that they're not very overwhelming for someone who's at the early days still trying to figure out basics of the the setup of the business and the operations of the business, like the real just the nitty-gritty stuff. Um, there were certainly times where I felt like, oh, God, I barely, like I barely have my head screwed on day to day. I don't have the headspace, let alone the cash flow for one of those business plan structure. Like I'm still kind of operating week to week here in terms of what what client work is coming in next week. I can't plan six months, 12 months, five years in the future. You have no idea what that looks like. And I think we're seeing that more and more because of this dynamic. Gig economy. Yeah. And this, this gig economy and this dynamic digital you know, we do a lot of process work in and the accounting firms that we work with. And there's some saying now that you can never get a process more than 60% correct because the the actual software and everything that you are using is always going to be changing. And of course, we're struggling with that because we are perfectionists <laughs> by nature. Um, so, you know, these programs that we're talking about, they don't have to be 100% correct. They just need to be you know, from what I'm hearing, what it is the need and the want is, is somebody to touch base with rather than solve all my problems. <laughs> I just need yeah. someone to talk to um, on a regular basis so I know I'm not alone and I know that there's help there if I need it. Yes, and someone who uh, understands where I'm at, that I am at, I am in this gig economy and it looks different to, you know, the perhaps traditional styles of business. It's kind of a, a different way of of, um, of operating. I, I from my understanding, at least there's differences. Um, but also that, yeah, I, I'm still figuring some of this out. So please don't expect me to have it all figured out. Um, <laughs> and so then it's safe for me to ask, you know, ask the silly questions or or ask that question that, you know, just pops up. And I think, oh, that's only one question. I, I don't want to, I don't want to bother my accountant with one stupid random question. So, but to, to feel safe to go, okay, this person knows where I'm at. And then I don't think I'm an idiot for asking this question. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it and I hope to continue watching you on your journey and um, seeing you grow. Well, thank you and, and thanks for having me, but also thanks for inspiring me to think bigger in this space and to, to think that I, I can really look forward to my accounting appointments. <laughs> of course you can. Accountants are super nice people. <laughs> <laughs> We just need to, um, I think we need to just tell our story more. I think we need to yeah. get out and tell our story. And our story is something that needs to be heard. Totally. Thanks, Ellen. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ellen. It was super interesting, particularly for me, the key take-homes were that you know all businesses whether they be professional services businesses like ours or audio sound producing businesses like Ellen's still have the same issues particularly around making what we do simple and being very passionate about it when we talk to people 
My key um, take-homes for the actual industry on that was, and I've heard it before, but I don't think I've ever really had a real aha moment, was around this huge problem that we have with the digital world and how we actually have to get our message out in front of that because that's how people consume. And this is this is going to be a big challenge for us and I think it's a big shift, but it's a, a problem that we can isolate and I think that we can solve. And I might drill down a bit more on that next week when we um, solve the issues that Ellen brought up. My other key take-homes were getting in front of this, actually educating people before they go into business and what they should look for in the business foundation. So while the digitalized marketing is how we should communicate, that's what we should start to be communicating and that we need to be very clear and start talking about our story. And even if it's not digital, even if it's just you guys, when you go down and if you're like me, you have coffee somewhere every day and you can just start having conversation around that. Another key take home for me there too was how we've got to get people excited about coming and seeing us. So how can we get, you know, one of the big things we see it in our industry all the time, people are educating us constantly on net promoter scores and how to get raving referrals and all of this sort of stuff. But to me, it's a lot simpler than that. Um, we need to get our day-to-day clients raving about us. And I think that's because there is a disconnect with the value of what we do. Because you go to a hairdresser, you get a great haircut. People can immediately link the value of that haircut and how it makes them feel. And value is usually what people feel as opposed to, you know, the output that they get. So how can we actually do that on a day-to-day basis? And when we are talking to clients, how can we get to the feelings and the safety feelings and everything behind that so that then they can actually go to people and say, oh, you've got to see this accountant. They really get me. They really make me feel safe. Like as Ellen used the example of the hairdresser and the kinesiologist in her example. So that's another key take home for me today. So everyone, tune in next week. I'm going to go into the how-to of how we can solve these three issues and give you some very workable take-homes on what you can do just very small on a day-to-day basis, particularly on the second two, and how we can actually change that within your practices or your day-to-day conversations that you're having with your clients. So be brave and keep the conversation going. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. To check out more information on all things Sam Dean and Blueprint, go to the website blueprinthq.com.au and remember, continue the conversation and be brave. See you next time.